We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online, the fastest, easiest, and safest way to bet on all things sports. With March Madness, the Masters, and Major League Opening Day right around the corner, Bet Online has all the latest news, scores, and odds to help you win big. The best part? You'll receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Head over to betonline.ag and use our promo code BLUEWIRE to receive free money. Plus, signing up is a great way to support the podcast you are listening to right now. Again, that's promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word, when you sign up at betonline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Breaking news, Terry Rozier. He'll be the next starting point guard of the Charlotte Hornets. Step back, wide open, and it's good! Terry Rozier! All right, what's going on? And welcome to another BuzzBeat, your favorite Charlotte Hornets podcast. This is Richie Randall, and I'll be joined by Spencer Percy today. Spencer, long time, no talk. How's everything going? Going well. Um, we got conference tournament play just one week away. Always my favorite time of year. I uh, grew up going to the ACC tournament, so I get more excited about the conference tournament sometimes, than I, or not sometimes, all the time, than I yeah. do uh, the NCAA tournament. So looking forward to that. How about you? What's going on? Not much, not much. I'm kind of getting over a cold here, so you can probably kind of sound uh, or hear the sound of my raspy voice, but... I'll, I'll push through, but I'm, I'm doing good. Uh, on this episode, guys, we're going to recap the game between the Hornets and the Pacers. But just to let you in on a little bit of a secret here, we've actually are now recording in the middle of or towards the end of the third quarter. Uh, we kind of just tuned out. Uh, so we've, we've got everything that we need to know. Garbage time has started for this Hornets and Pacers game. And who knows, maybe when we get off this podcast, they will have pulled off the best comeback uh, in Hornets history. But as of now, uh, it's not yeah, looking I'm, that way. I'm pretty sure they won't hold it again, hold it against us, uh, Richie. I'll actually give you an update here. The Hornets are down by, um, let me see if my math is here right. Yeah, 39 points at the end of the third quarter. So don't blame us for uh, for tuning yeah. out. How many points <laughs> do they have at the end of the third? 55. Oh, so that's, we'll probably, that's exactly we'll what the Pacers had. Yeah. Against <laughs> yeah, the uh, right. Raptors. 
Yeah, that's right. Uh, we'll probably get to 70, but it's, it's going to be close. Yeah. But we're actually going to first start off from a comment from two of our listeners of the show uh, at British Buzz and at MM Hornets on Twitter. Uh, they were wondering about the idea of trading for Al Horford this offseason uh, and kind of becoming a place where the Sixers can dump salary into our um, you know salary cap situation here and maybe give some draft picks to Charlotte in the process. So just to kind of give you guys uh, you know a rundown here of Al Horford, uh, he's going to be 34 years old next year, and he has a contract that runs for the next three seasons after this one, and he'll be 36 uh, by the time his contract is up. He is making 27 and a half million dollars, uh, and according to my numbers, I know I know our numbers differ a little bit. You remove the cap holds. The Hornets have $89 million in salary between the 10 players and that first round draft pick. That gives them $25 million in cap space if you were to renounce all those free agents that we have. I think there's like three of them, Biombo, Billy, and, and Bacon as well. Uh, so we couldn't just take them into cap space. We would still have to send someone out uh, the opposite way because that would put us over the salary cap situation there. So yeah, so you add Horford, who's, who's making about $27.5 million, uh, and that takes us above the salary cap. Uh, so we would have to send someone back uh, in that trade. I think that Horford definitely has been a little bit underwhelming this season with the 76ers, Spencer. I think the fit is a little bit clunky. I think he's better suited to play the five. Uh, but clearly, when you have Embiid on that roster, uh, he's not going anywhere uh, from that five position. Uh, you know, playing that pick and roll game, Horford has always been good in that pick and roll, pick and pop game. And it just doesn't seem like he's as involved uh, with this team. I know they moved him to the bench at one point, and they actually, I think he actually just got his. First start again, the last game that they played. So any thoughts on this idea? Not necessarily Horford as a player. Maybe he's a, he's aging clearly. But the idea to maybe take on Horford, who takes up $27.5 million, which is a lot of money, uh, but maybe trying to get an asset back. I know we've kind of talked about some kind of trade like this before. Yeah, I mean, I think it could potentially be a wise use of cap space for the Hornets this summer. Um, certainly if they don't, you know, they don't see a, a player in free agency that they're not going to spend all their cap space on, but, you know, they don't see a player that really fits for them that they would spend, you know, 14 or 15 million or something like that uh, at. I think it could be a good use. You bring up a good point, you know, with his contract right now, 27 and a half for next year, um, Charlotte would have to send out some salary as, as they currently stand. Now, there's some things Charlotte could do to potentially get to that 28 number. Um you know, I'd have to like go back and look at all the cap holds and what their options would be so they could just absorb his contract into their cap space. But right now, like you said, they have some obstacles there. So it becomes tricky, uh, you know, because you got to send out salary. And so that means you're sending out salary, probably none of which uh, Philadelphia would be interested right. in taking. Um, so that's a problem. You probably have to get a third team involved, which probably just just makes this whole uh, hypothetical really nonsensical i guess uh also philly doesn't own their first round draft pick this year which complicates things as well believe that one's going to brooklyn so uh, you know they'd, they'd have to part ways with a future asset 
um which is fine i think i mean charlotte's timeline that that makes sense i wouldn't say that that would be a deal breaker but just something to note but yeah i mean i think horford is like the kind of player that for a team like charlotte that's in no hurry certainly needs some help in the middle you know they've got uh, one center falling off the books potentially two you know willie billy herning gomez as well if they decide to move on from him so they're gonna need to do something with that position uh this summer with cody zeller being really the only center you have on the book so yeah, I, I think it makes some sense. If you can get an asset for it, you know, why not? But there's some real obstacles right now that would limit that being a possibility. A- unless, again, Philly was willing to reroute, you know, whatever salary we sent somewhere else. Right. But then, but then, Richie, you got to think now you're at kind of like an asset neutral kind of deal where you're just taking Horford because if Philly's doing you a favor and rerouting a salary somewhere else, you're going to have to do something for them i would assume so it, it seems a little too uh complicated yeah. for charlotte maybe to get it done and i don't know if i would technically rule horford out in terms of just like his career being over i think like i said the fit is a little bit clunky with the philadelphia 76ers yes he is aging i'm a little bit nervous about the fact that he's getting paid for three more seasons it kind of brings back the the nick batum thoughts again uh where if he doesn't perform next year or the year after you're you're stuck with this guy uh until 2023 i believe when he's 36 years old and i'm a gator fan so i know this guy coming out of college i was a big fan of his and he's been one of the best mid-range shooters not even you know, not a, not the best mid-range shooter, like big, just been one of the best mid-range shooters in the game consistently uh, since he's come into the league. Uh, and in last season, he shot 53% from mid-range. This year, it's down to 42. And as a three-point shooter with the Philadelphia 76ers, he's only shooting 32% this year. So the the Hornets have always said that they're not going to be a player in free agent. So if they do make a trade, uh, this would be a, a, a quote-unquote big-name player that they can acquire uh, during free agent season. Uh, just not through free agency. All right, so rapid-fire questions. I put out a tweet today asking for just quick rapid-fire questions. We don't have to spend as much time on these. First one comes in and asks, why didn't Charlotte try for Dragon Bender when he was waived? He's been showing some potential. I will say, I'll be the first to say that I'm not a big Dragon Bender fan, nor do I watch a lot of him, but he's never has really impressed me all that much. He has been picked up by the Warriors. The, the comment says he has been showing potential, but he's played one game with the Warriors and scored six points. So I, I don't know how you can call that potential just after one game and, and scoring six points. So any thoughts on, on Hornets not going after Dragon Bender? I think the, the position that he also plays is kind of loaded as well with the Hornets roster. Yeah, I don't, I don't really have a whole lot to add there. I mean, yeah, he just, he. I mean, let's see, in the last... Oh gosh! I mean, the last this season, he's played a total of like six games, ten games. Oh, okay. yeah, and average less than. Or no, no, excuse me. You're right. You're right. Uh, like eight games. Yeah. So that's not a, a lot. Uh, averaging less than fourteen minutes a game. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I don't. I don't really see where the potential is that he's shown. I guess he shot it okay from behind the arc this season. I haven't seen much of Bender right. really since early in his career in Phoenix. Uh, like you, so, uh, you know, uh, yeah, I mean, I would have said, yeah, worth a look for the Hornets, you know, nothing to lose here uh, with a team that's rebuilding. Young roster, you know, Bender's still a young guy, but I, I wouldn't get too upset about the Hornets, you know, not going after a guy like Bender. I, I would spend more time thinking about maybe what the Hornets 
miss at the deadline with a guy like Giles uh, or some opportunities there. You know, the, for a team that says they're not going to be very busy in free agency and don't expect to spend aggressively, I thought there were some opportunities for them with three expiring contracts at the deadline to um, to get back either some uh, you know second chance guys, broken goods, young players. Th- there had to have been a lot of scenarios out there. I, I just I just choose to believe that the front office we have is is a little too draconian and old school to um to do business in in a league that is has a lot of gms that are not that anymore and i know that it's going to come with a lot of pushback but um you know i just the hornets whatever they do in terms of bringing up players from the g league like Jalen mcdaniels or, or the martin twins or joe Cheely or whoever else um or you know, sign to a to a ten day contract from here to the rest of the season, and they have Chile on one currently. We'll see if that continues after his ten days are up. Um, you know, to me, this is all like not all. I know they're developing young players, but a lot of this is window dressing to me, and they're and they're spending it spending it to fans as you know we're, we're really committed to to developing young players, and that's true. And those right. players are Malik Monk, Devontae Graham, and Miles Bridges. Okay, and PJ Washington. The rest of it is we're trying to lose. That's why we're giving serious minutes to J. I mean, seriously, like I, at some point, it, it's all fine and well about talking about developing players, but the guys that are getting minutes tonight. I mean, not even halfway through the court, third quarter tonight, Richie. There's a lineup that features Joe Cheely, the Martin Twins, Jalen McDaniels, and Bismack Biombo. Mm-hmm. Look, I understand you're trying to develop players, but that's trying to lose. <laughs> It just is, man. No, I'm I sorry. get you. I get you. Yeah, and kind of leads us to the next question here or comment. Uh, Devontae Graham did not start today and has not played. Uh, one of the questions came in, can we now consider Devontae a bust and just the way that he's played recently? Definitely has not been, you know, high. But I don't know if I can consider Devontae Graham a bust because he's a second-round pick, first off. So the expectations of Devontae Graham were not high, high to begin with. So for me to consider Devontae a bust, I I think it's all dependent on your expectations. I I think he's come back to earth a little bit with his three-point shooting, and he still has got to find that in-between game that he struggles with at times, but he has shown some promise over the past couple of weeks with that mid-range game. So do I consider Devontae a bust? No. Do I expect him to perform at the way that he did in the first 30 games of the season consistently? No. But I, I think there's probably a happy medium between those two. So last question before we kind of touch upon the Indiana game, but any thoughts on Devontae being a bust? So wait, this Devontae Graham? We're talking about the same guy, Devontae <laughs> we're, Graham. We're talking about Devontae Graham, yes. If he was a bust? Uh, yeah, no, I don't think so. Um, second round pick. Uh, all right, here's a guy last year. He averaged he averaged about 14 and a half minutes per game, four and a half points, shot 28% from behind the arc, shot 34% from the field this year, averaging 35 minutes, averaging 17 and a half points per game, uh, shooting almost 37% from behind the arc, 37% field goal percentage. Yeah, it could be better. We've touched on that mm-hmm. a lot. I mean, the areas this guy's improved in. I mean, just watch the Indiana game tonight. We don't have Devontae Graham. Our offense is officially, we've made it, Richie. We're officially a G League offense tonight. And a lot of that has to do with Devontae Graham's absence. I mean, there's just, there's no playmakers on this team when he said So although he has struggled recently, he has still lifted this offense up just yeah. with his ability to set his teammates up and get an offense flowing and keep it moving. Um, his ability to read the floor. In no universe is this guy a bust. His second round pick. I mean, he was he was in the three point contest this year. 
Uh, <laughs> no, no, he's not a bus. Yeah, I think bust is probably a strong term. I don't think many people should consider him a bust. Um, so that, that kind of leads us into this game here against the Pacers. Uh, as we are recording, the score is 106-65. Uh, Pacers are in the lead. Devontae Graham did not get the start. Kind of learned of that an hour and a half before the game started. Uh, Monk got his first career start at the guard position. And I think, you know, we just you just talked about this, Devontae Graham being someone that kind of raises the floor when he's out there. You know, with Monk being in there with Rozier, I do like Monk handling the ball more than Rozier. But in, by the same token, it feels like maybe Monk tried to score a little bit too much off the dribble, which got him into some trouble last season and a little bit this season. When you played off the ball, you just catch and drive and you be aggressive, you know, off steals, off cuts and stuff like that. That's where Monk is the best. But when he handles the ball a little bit more, or if you put him in that point guard role, uh, especially when there's not shooters around him, he might take some unwarranted shots. Uh, there was not a lot to take away from this game. I will say that Miles Bridges continues to impress me in just the variety mm -hmm. of ways yeah. in which he scored. Uh, I made a note of this in the first quarter. He scored in the paint off a post-up. He scored in the paint off of a drive. He scored near the paint off a pull-up mid-range shot, and he also hit a three-pointer. So Miles Bridges is yeah. slowly coming into his own, uh, and, and we're seeing that even with the talent that's around him that, that's a little bit lacking. Yeah, agreed. I mean, you know, Miles has impressed me, and I may know this tonight, Richie. You know, he's he is hard. He's under control. He's hard to speed up right now. Part of that is, you know, his physicality and his strength. He can absorb contact and finish in the paint. You know, whether it be a post up, whether it be you know one or two dribbles, kind of getting his shoulder into the chest of his defender and finish him with that little uh, half hook floater. I mean, he's got a lot of different tools around the basket to score with he's got a nice touchdown there but you mentioned it the three-point shots really started to come around recently he made um a pull up or excuse me off the dribble mid-range jumper tonight mm -hmm. after getting chased off the line i mean that might have been off a ball screen actually so i mean yeah you're seeing three levels of scoring and i've just been impressed with his poise uh recently as a scorer and, and look i think the rookie sophomore game or excuse me, I, I guess the rookie sophomore U.S. versus the world game. Yeah, I think right. that really, it, it helped his confidence. I mean, th I think that is clear that for a young player like that to win MVP in that game, uh, I think is huge. Uh, and especially for him, a player who has, uh, you know, he's he's been back and forth with his confidence. So, excuse me, I got my dog down here scratching himself and you can hear. <laughs> the, it's, it's Kimba, actually. It's Kimba. He's, he's back. Making noise. All right. I'm going to take his collar off. So, um, yeah, I think Miles has been, I think he's been great. I mean, he's shown he's shown steps like Malik Monk has shown steps this mm -hmm. year, and those two um, seeing development out, out of them has been really important. You brought up Monk too, Richie. You know, I think that the number one thing he's shown this year is his ability to attack the basket off the bounce, whether that be in the half court or transition. It's something that you know in the past we saw him with the ball, you know, one, two, three dribbles, a little confused as what to do. He would just put a shot at the rim, right? He would, he would not put his head down and try to get to the rim often. We've seen him do that this year. We've seen him finish through contact with that extra strength. That's a real thing. And then when he gets in there and, and he senses the second defender, nine times out of ten, he's making the right pass to the corner or back to the top of the arc or whip around pass to PJ or Cody, whoever's you know sitting right there under the basket. So I've been really impressed with him uh, as well. Tough night for Monk, but those two – there, you know, Monk and Miles' development has to be really the headliner uh, of the 
youth development this season, I would say, when you're not talking about, you know, Devontae's early season surge. Right, right. My favorite play of this game, I know, I know this is only three quarters in, but my favorite play of the first quarter uh, actually happened uh, in a Miles Zeller pick and roll, which I don't feel like I see a whole lot. Uh, so Miles and Cody ran a pick and roll, and Cody catches the ball off the short roll and hits P.J. Washington for the corner three. So it's interesting stuff like that where you have players like Miles Bridges and Cody Zeller and P.J. Washington who are a little bit more versatile and can, and, and can play yeah. multiple positions and you just don't see that often miles running a pick and roll and it led to a corner three now there wasn't a lot of good in this game there's a whole lot more bad i think the the defense the transition defense was poor a lot of miscommunications on defense leading to just a, a lot of uncontested shots whether it was from three yeah. or in transition at one point i tweeted out that the pacers were shooting 83 percent at the rim and 70% from behind the arc. And that happened to be like in the second quarter, like that wasn't necessarily, you know, a first quarter stat real early on. These were on a, you know, a handful of touches and, and shots here. So a lot of bad on, on the defensive side uh, and, I, and clearly not being able to score as well. Spencer, any, any kind of lasting thoughts here from this game? I know you were talking about uh, the fact that the Hornets are trying to lose, but any other kind of thoughts? Yeah, no, I mean, just this game specifically, I, I think you touched on the the struggle and transition defensively for this team. You know, I thought that they get caught on switches too easily still. You know, I mean, I, I understand this can, when they are playing man defense, this can be a very switch-heavy scheme. But, look, when you got Malik Monk and Terry Rozier out there, you just don't have the horses to switch but so much. And I thought that those two, specifically Monk there early in the game, just getting caught on too many – uh, just like a, a simple baseline flex screen, you, you know, you, we can't, you can't get caught on those switches and get, you know, switched out on Sabonis and then somebody else is coming to scram you out. And now th they just flip it to the opposite corner and get a wide open three. I mean, these are the uncontested shots that you were talking about. So it's really, this is a young team that just is like a split second off, not a split second, a full second probably off with their communication, which leads to a lot of confusion, switches, trying to scram each other out of bad situations, and all of a sudden, you know, the veteran teams like Indiana are just too smart. They're going to they're gonna um, nail you for that stuff and, and get wide open shots. So, And the other thing is just getting beat off the dribble just very, very easily. I mean, and that that's everybody. I mean, you mm -hmm. saw Rozier get beat, saw Miles get beat early, Monk get beat a few times where, again, this is a veteran team. They're going to space the floor perfectly. If they get two steps and they're going to the rim, second defender comes, corner, back to the top, wide open shot. This team's too, the Hornets are too young to, be able to rotate through all that action so and we've seen that over and over this season that's not new but yeah i mean a good good lesson for the charlotte team tonight because indiana got the doors beat off of them in toronto last game lost by 40 plus points they very clearly uh realigned themselves with this season and uh because look they were playing a bad young charlotte team tonight but boy, oh boy, were they, they had a mission. They didn't care yeah. who they were playing. They could have been playing a youth YMCA team. They were out there to execute at a high level and play with a lot of energy. So I was impressed with the Pacers tonight. Yeah, so, so maybe Charlotte will take that same motivation Wednesday night against the Knicks. So you, you better watch out, New York. So uh, we'll, we'll turn that 40-point loss into another 40-point win. Uh, TJ Warren also had a strong game. It seems like he's always beating the Hornets. I think he's averaging like 25 points against us at halftime uh, he had 15 points and the last time i checked he's at like 18 but i'm sure his minutes have probably been you know cut off at this point so thanks again guys for tuning in to another buzz beat make sure you are subscribed to us on your favorite podcast platform apple Podcasts, spotify or 
wherever you're listening to us right now. Uh, the Hornets will take on the Knicks Wednesday night in Charlotte. For Spencer, I am Richie. We'll see you guys next time. <laughs>